the virtue signaling comes from this level of like elite arrogance, whether you're on the right or on the left, it, it very much comes off as I am right. You are so stupid for taking the, the other position. You are so wrong. Welcome to the Restoring Our City podcast, our platform where we have candid conversations on today's topics to help connect our community. Be sure to check us out at restoringourcity.org where you can find the latest content. Follow us on social media at Restoring Our City on Facebook and Instagram and The Rock Podcast on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also submit your anonymous questions to us on our website via the Ask Me Anything link. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and also on Spotify where you can watch the video version of the podcast and answer poll questions and Q&As. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Restoring Our City podcast. We are back with not just another episode, but we are back for our 50th episode. It is kind of incredible to think Ooh. about. Um, I am joined on this special episode with my co-hosts, Jessman Thomas and Bajoy Samuel. Guys, um, can you believe that there's 50 episodes of this thing? Happy 50th episode, man. That is a huge milestone. I mean, we just jumped on, or I just jumped on this last season, but Ben, you've been a part of this from the very beginning. Did you ever think it was going to get to 50 episodes? I know. I thought we'd quit like <laughs> two episodes in. <laughs> um, man, and it's been kind of crazy. Um, it's crazy to do something that long, right? Like something new. To yeah. Do something that long, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just incredible to see the different iterations, right? Like the growth and change of of the podcast. So yeah, thanks for letting us be part of this last iteration, Jobin. But we've been having some fun. Yeah, no, it's been a blast. I definitely want to shout out some of uh, the people who put this together. Josh Carvilla, Alvin Matthew, Joel Verghese, Steve Chaco, Toby Curian, um, Jason Verghese, Jesswin, Bejoy. You guys have done uh, a great job this season, too. So there's so many people behind the scenes who've put this together and who've been a part, all of the guests who've been on. So if you haven't heard some of the prior episodes, there's been some really great ones. But um, it's cool to, like, start something new and then actually continue through it, you know? and um, most more than anything, I think hearing from people that we've never met before or haven't talked to in a long time, and then they respond to the, these conversations, um, such a cool feeling. So thank it, you to our listeners. It's really cool because, uh, you know, you just never know what the impact of this is going to be, right? So you just do the episodes and you try to create something consistent and you hope that people find some value in it. But I think what we've picked up on this last season is, it is resonating. I mean, we've all had our share of just conversations or people pinging us or, you know, like sharing something or requesting something, you know, so it's, it's cool to see that, you know, 50 episodes in there's these, there's still these little pockets of conversations that are, are happening. And, and that's really what the goal of all of this is, you know? Yeah, you know, just to piggyback off of that, but Joy, you know, I've definitely been getting the same vibe, but it's also interesting for me to just re-listen to us having a conversation and being like, man, like if no one else listened to this, I've been blessed by <laughs> yeah. just talking to you guys, but I've just been so thankful for all the encouraging messages and support that everyone's been giving. So it's been great. Yeah. I mean, so if you just want to make us feel better, uh, send us a message, <laughs> send us questions. <laughs> and I think uh, uh, so we'll know we're not just talking to ourselves. 
But um, speaking of feedback, we are uh, going to do a part two of our Q&A. And I, I think it's a great transition. And what better way to celebrate 50 episodes than bringing in our listeners? And we put up an Ask Us Anything link. It's right on our website, restoringourcity.org, where you can ask your questions anonymously. So you cannot be identified <laughs> through these crazy questions. So thank you for sending them in. We tackled a couple on our prior episode. But we wanted to go through a few uh, today and see if we can kind of give some insight into this. So um, without further ado, guys, want to just jump right in? Is that the first one? All right. So question from our listener that we will tackle today. What's your opinion on virtue signaling? Doing things to look good instead of doing it just because it's the right thing to do. That is our question. What do you guys think about virtue signaling? I was going to say, just to clarify, Jobin, maybe uh, let's get the dictionary definition on this one, too. Let's see what Marion Webster has to say. Yeah, let's see what um, our uh, Google uncle will tell us. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so just the dictionary definition of virtue signaling is the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. That's what virtue signaling is. But have you guys seen that at all in maybe your context, the surroundings, the news? I don't know. What's kind of your take on it? In the spirit of having candid conversations, I guess I could start <laughs> this one off. You know, um, I, I do remember a few years ago when everything surrounding George Floyd uh, kind of came out. I think everyone sort of remembers the day that um blackout tuesday right that blackout tuesday was the term used for the day that everyone would post a black square um on social media uh, to show solidarity both within the african-american community but also raise awareness for uh blm more specifically and it was interesting because i think on that day too hey i was sort of moved by the the sort of idea of doing and showing my support but one of my friends really challenged me on this and he said do you know what BLM stands for as an organization. Do you know what it says on their, their page? And one of the statements when I started reading it, it said, hey, we, we are um, looking, we are social Marxists. We are looking to uh, destroy the Western prescribed nuclear family as part of their about us section. And I was sort of taken aback here. I'm like, wait a second. You know, like the Western prescribed nuclear, their family, like a mother and a father raising children in, in a home i'm i am for that right i am for that also as a christian i believe that's the way it should go but really it's this um sort of idea of i think as a society we've come to a point where we will do things and we will not look into it whether it's the next thing on the news to say hey let's all hate this um bill that's coming out in these states or hey this is what um you know sort of we all have to start doing you know let's put our pronouns in um our email signatures let's do x y and z to to show that we are very woke and we don't do enough reflection to think about these issues more critically before we do something and i'm glad that i had people in my life to challenge me on it yeah i i was gonna say too along with that i think we also when things happen in the media like everybody's just so quick to show support and react right like in 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 uh in the words of uh Dave Chappelle the juicy smollier incident that we've had <laughs> um like when that when that thing when it first happened oh my gosh like twitter instagram like celebrities everybody was just like pouring out about just how 
messed up it was and just their shock and outrage and all that. And then things started to get quieter as like more and more like news and details started to come. And now he's, you know, obviously he's been sentenced, right. For, um, for faking a lot of that stuff. And so now it's like really, really quiet, you know, and no one's really saying much about it, (laughs) but it's an example where everyone just jumped on that immediately um, off of that. But then like once details started to come in, you know, it changed. Yeah. That's a great example. <laughs> I didn't, I totally forgot about that. I mean, but you know what? We all live in Chicago. And when that news came out, it's like, oh, this happened in Streeterville at 2 a.m. In the winter, in, in the, the middle winter. of the winter, middle of the polar vortex, in the polar vortex. I was just, oh my gosh, besides this, I'm like, that, this, this, something does not add up here. But um, you know what? In the spirit of the question too, is like, what's your opinion on virtue signaling? I feel like the definition of it is like, wow, this is, hypocrisy right like if you're doing something just to do it and not because you care about it i feel like that's horrible but that doesn't mean some of the causes that you are really well informed about and care about that that doesn't mean you should do that i actually saw an interesting tweet from elon musk today and it's a, he put a funny meme it just says i support the current thing And it was just a cartoon character of a guy holding one, you know, lots of different things, but he was holding the Ukrainian flag because a lot of people are posting the Ukrainian flag and, you know, support of the people in the country and the war that's going on. And um, it's interesting that people might not know what they're supporting, but everybody else is doing it. So let's jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. And also just to add on to that, Jobin, too, you know, just to go back to the question, I think one of the sad things that comes out of this is it perpetuates cancel culture, right? Like if you don't stand for the right things, therefore we'll deplatform you. And I think that's sort of the sadder side effects of, of virtue signaling, too. And um, it, it's it's just so sad to see. I, I think I like that word hypocrisy, right? I think there's so many times where the hypocrisy is so evident. You know, it's interesting. I loved uh, Ennis Cantor. He's an NBA player. He's from uh, the country of Turkey and he's been banned from going back because he spoke out against the Turkish government. But nowadays you see him speaking out against a ton of things, right? Like you calling out the NBA to say, hey, you, you support so much social justice here, yet you won't speak a lick in China where they're literally incarcerating Muslims and putting them in concentration camps. Like where are your virtues? Is it standard or is it just applied sort of arbitrarily and I think that's a great question to ask ourselves too right like are we actually using that same measure and standard and applying that across the board or again do we just support the current thing and once the current thing is gone we never talk about it again I was just gonna say like I think there's so many things that are happening in the world like I was just talking to someone the other day about um, all these genocides that are happening you know and it's like people don't know about some things right and so then if there's no attention to it then everyone's just like there's no reaction to it, right? But there's like crazy things that are happening in the world that it's really whatever media deems worthy of attention, that's what they all focus on. And then everybody kind of jumps on that. But there are so many other things that are happening in the world that people just either are not aware of or they don't feel like it's as big of a deal because the like media hasn't shed light on it. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, just to think about the dangers of that, too, sometimes we'll, we'll shed a light so intensely on a specific topic. Government policies get created on that. I think a good example of this would be the defund the police movement, right? And then you see waves of violence, right? I mean, currently going on right now, you see the Asian American violence that's coming up. And some of the, the tweets from, 
I believe the mayor and his wife, I think last year said, hey, if you see something, go ahead and help that person. I was like, well, wait a second. That's what we had the police for. And that's what we need. So you see, again, once you shed a light so intensely with this virtue signaling thing to say, hey, this is the right thing that to do. It's the right thing to say. You create a policy on it. And then you have to go back and you never really apologize for that, right? You never go back and correct yourself. You never take that humble stance. It's just always wanting to be right. Like, and, and you see these things and look what it's doing to certain parts of our country right now. I think there's a Twitter account that's uh, called Defiant L's and it just kind of shows people who tweeted about a position years ago and then if they change their mind or are completely wrong, it posts what they tweeted now. It's hilarious. But at the same time, there is a record sometimes and you don't, you don't ask for forgiveness or you don't say, hey, I was actually wrong to your point about juicy. You know, it's like uh, how many of us actually accepted that? Oh, man, we are really, really wrong. We don't want to look bad or even in politics, you don't want to see that. But maybe let's take this listener question a step further. How do we avoid that? Right. Because there are some really serious things going on in the world. And maybe we do want to show our solidarity with some of these things because we truly care about them. How do we avoid, you know, being pigeon held as someone who's a virtue signaler? You know, how do we avoid that label? Sometimes we're going to say things that are wrong. Right. But I think that's okay. But we have to take it the step further to say we were wrong. I am sorry for posting this publicly like this and just so that our listeners don't start thinking we're some sort of conservative media outlet here that that happens on the right side as well right like based on bad information of weapons of mass destruction look what we did we invaded a country Uh, and you can go back in hindsight and say you should say we're probably wrong about this information sorry for destabilizing this entire region you know so one thing is yeah i think you should you should post retract it uh when you're wrong don't be afraid to do that um and number two Think about the tone of when you post something. I think a lot of times when I go through my social media and see what my friends are posting, the virtue signaling comes from this level of like elite arrogance, whether you're on the right or on the left, it it very much comes off as I am right. You are so stupid for taking the, the other position. You are so wrong without ever considering the other viewpoint and position objectively. So I think just, you know, if you're going to post, think about the tone and just think about the other argument before you actually put something that demonizes your neighbor. Yeah. Well said. I I feel like um, if you take an L, be proud of that, you know, own it, that you, you took a loss on this one. Um, I think in politics, it's harder because you have to, you know, frame yourself as an electable candidate in the next cycle or something like that. But uh, really well said, Jasmine. Um, so yeah, for, for listeners out there, if you are taking a position, think about the tone and think about what you write. Um, I think it, it will go a long ways to speak about our character, especially for identifying as Christian. Well, thank you guys for elaborating on that. That's a really interesting topic itself. I feel like, um, you know, virtue signaling is not going to go away with the way media is structured, social media, and that everybody gets to have a platform. So you get to showcase something, right? So Really interesting. Um, I think we have time for another one. You want to tackle another one? Let's do it. it. All right. So we actually just wrapped up a series called, uh, and they'll know we are Christians by our blank. And we talked about a lot of different ways that Christians are perceived. And we actually got a really interesting um, message from one of our listeners that we actually wanted to tackle it. We couldn't do a whole entire episode on it, but I wanted to tackle this this thought. Um, What do you guys think about and they'll know we are Christians by our secrets. Um, so that was kind of the premise of the question. And then some added context. 
you know, there's a goal of transparency and the vulnerability of grace. You're right. Some Christians sometimes try to put on a face. So what do you guys think about Christians being known by being too secretive? Maybe within the Christian community, but I don't know if the outside world would necessarily look in and think that, oh, they've got secrets. They're very secretive, you know? But I do think that they could look in and be like, do these guys, like, are they all just presenting themselves as perfect? Like, what, what do they make no mistakes? Like, what's going on, right? So I do think that they're, we don't, we're not transparent enough with the outside world in terms of like our daily struggles or things that we go through or, you know, and so there could be that perception. Yeah, I was thinking about it a little bit more just internally within uh, the Christian community too, right? Like how just to that listener's point, right? Like the need for grace comes from a need, uh, a need for us to sin. Well, not really a need for sin, but the fact that we sin. Um, but within the Christian community, just like you said, Bajoy, right? Like we even try to present that that perfect front. And then we're so surprised and shocked when sin occurs. But it's almost like, hey, did you not, did you forget that you were human? You're not God yet? Or, sorry, you'll never be God, but you're not without a sinless form yet. So uh, I think, yeah, to that point, one thing that really comes to mind, and it's often a requested topic for the podcast is talking more about mental health related struggles. I think even from a community standpoint within the Indian Christian community, it is one of those hush hush taboo sort of secrets, right? Like you come to a Sunday service, you put on your best uh, face, and you don't actually talk about legitimate struggles until unfortunately, a lot of times after the fact. And I think we've been hearing just more and more sad stories and, and just realizing, hey, we, we went to church together for X amount of years, I never knew, right? And that's just a sad thing to, to say in hindsight. But I hope that we can we can come together and figure out how to move forward in, in a way healthier way. Yeah, I think that's a really great kind of segue into the topic of mental health and how maybe Christians have this perception of not being as vulnerable and talking about some of these issues. I, I feel like over the past couple of years, the topic of mental health has rightfully so been put more towards the forefront of society and like people are actually talking about things. But do you guys think that we as Christians are doing a good job of that? And if not, how can we do a better job? I think it's almost 50-50. Um, I think on one side, it's almost like a, a pendulum for me, right? I think sometimes we can be so drawn to just focusing on, let's say, grace, um, but completely forget that we're also called to pursue truth and holiness. So we we create a culture of almost like therapy groups, right? Our small group becomes places where we talk about our sin one week, we pray about it, remember that we have grace, go on with our week, next week, we do the same thing, next week, we do the same thing, we're completely ineffective. And we just have this repetitive cycle, right? Like, so at what point do we see ourselves getting better? Or we think that now we're because we're Christian, we are pro not to sin, right? Like we, we can't do that anymore. Therefore, we never talk about it. Um, and we just show up week to week and, it, you know, year to year. And we, it's almost like we, we worked for our salvation and therefore we're good enough to earn it um, without ever coming to the point of like, no, we should confess our sins to one another because that's what the word of God says to do, right? So it's kind of, for me, it's always been, where is that balance between grace and holiness? And how do we do that uh, best in a community? Now for things like mental health, obviously it's a completely different category from that pendulum, but uh, I, I do think we can do a better job in both of those areas. Yeah, you know, um, I think that we have to also be careful too, because we don't want to create this Christian culture where everyone's just pouring out their stuff all the time, right? Like, 
I don't want to share everything with everybody just because you say you're a Christian and we happen to be in the same church, right? Like we, I think we do need to use wisdom and who we share with and how much we share things with. So this idea of being secretive, like, I don't know if I think it's secretive as much as it is, maybe it's selective about who we're sharing things with, which I think is okay, you know? And the other thing is to kind of what Justin was saying, we don't want to get into this culture either where everyone's just like, you just get this repetitive, like, let's just all pour out our stuff and then we'll move on the next day. You know, I used to, and I'm guilty of it too, but I'm always wary about who I share things with sometimes because I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I just, I don't want another person just to know about my stuff, right? Like, or my issues. But if you're sharing something with someone, there should be some action that comes out of that. Not just like a one-time prayer, but if someone's really pouring out like deep things, you should be engaged. You're, you've been introduced into their life now, into their messiness. And what does that look like going forward? You know, how often are you checking up with them? How often are you praying for them? How often are you, you know, like if it stops at that one conversation where they poured out everything and then you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep that in prayer. And then you don't check in with them at all. Then you're just another person that knows about all the stuff going on in their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it just reminds me of a conversation we had a couple episodes ago of our deep needs. I think you shared it, Bajoy, to be uh, to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. And you kind of broke it down where, hey, if our normal Christian pattern just looks like we go to church on a Sunday and that's it, well, you never get to the next layer of having a small group community um, of people that you can share burdens with. And then to your point, Bajoy, too, not take it a step further on the one-on-one, -on -one, that discipleship, I think it's really a question of what does our Christian life and our culture sort of look like? Is it just the Sunday attendance or is it just you know, a small group of people, which is cool, or do we really pursue discipleship, which I think is uh, the model that the Bible really like has laid out. And I think it's a question of, well, how can we do that better to your question, Jobin? Well, think about our Christian culture and, and do we get to that discipleship layer or not? Yeah, I think that's, that's a layer that we need to strive towards, right? And I think there is this culture of sometimes that we want to, you know, provide some TMI, right? Like uh, we have, if you're, being secretive or you're putting on a mask or putting on a front and you're not being super vulnerable, but then you're also in a position where there's some authority figures who can't be as vulnerable because then people don't have confidence in that leader, right? They have to have an outlet, but uh, yeah, to your, your point, guys, I think it's really interesting that we have to really be selective. I think it's really interesting with mental health. Maybe that's a series that we kind of tackle. I know we've talked about it internally um, and we really want to make sure there's um, great conversations that folks can hear and that they want to hear. And I know a lot of people in our community have done a great job about sharing on that topic as well. To our listeners, thank you guys so much for bringing in questions. Keep them coming. We will do these periodically where you just send in your anonymous questions and we will tackle them. Um, I think it's really great to kind of hear from our listeners and what's really impacting the community and how we could provide some insight. Uh, guys, thank you guys for being on. Um, can't wait to do another 50 episodes with you. <laughs> 50 done and we'll see how many more to go. Yeah, let's see if we can make it to 100. Huh? So. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check us out at restoringourcity.org. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, 
and Spotify to get the latest content. The Restoring Our City podcast is hosted by Jobin Verghese, Jasmine Thomas, and Bajoy Samuel. Graphics by Claire Skelly, Alexander Skowalski, and Teresa Studley. Our music is Jazzy Abstract Beat by Coma Media from Pixabay. Thanks again for listening.